My next guest here on Emirates World is a regular visitor to the Emirates Lit Fest. He's Charlie Higson, author of the Young Bond books and the series of seven novels known as the Enemy series, which is set in London and involves a battle royal between children and a band of zombies led by a character known as St George. Have I got that right? Yes, yes. It's it's children versus adults and adult zombies, so... Um well, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But I wanted to ask you first, how many times have you been a guest at the Lit Fest in Dubai? I've been uh, twice before, and I was very chuffed to be asked back for a third time, particularly for the 10th anniversary, which should be should be very exciting. I mean, it's, it's a lovely thing to do. Um, I really enjoyed it the first time. Actually, a, a couple of people who'd been, some writer friends of mine, said, you know, there's a lot of literary festivals out there. If you wanted, you could go to one every week but they said a couple of these friends said to me you know if you if you get ever get invited to dubai make sure you go because it's fantastic fun and and they did invite me and it was fantastic fun extremely well um looked after um and i mean what's nice as a writer to go there is is you're there for a few days and you're there with a lot of other writers um People sort of believe that there's a sort of literary community, that all us writers hang out together and have witty soirees. But actually, I, I very rarely meet any other writers in case it's, unless it's someone I happen to know. So what's nice there is, is you're, you're, you're there, you're all staying in the same hotel, you're all going to the same events, uh, and you do hang out with other writers. You know, you go on bus trips with the likes of Margaret Atwood, which is, <laughs> which is quite fun and slightly surreal. Um, for people thinking of attending the the festival, which is being held in Dubai, uh, the first week of March, can you paint a picture of what it's actually like? Well, I'd assumed before I went that it would be the festival would be attended by a lot of Brit expats. It would be something like um, Cheltenham abroad, <laughs> um, with a lot of sort of uh, people from Graham Greene novels, but. Um, Actually, it, it, it's incredibly multicultural and extremely well attended. You know, you do a talk there and you're talking to people from all, all walks of life and from all, all around the world, different races, religions. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a lot of translators working full time there. But that, for me, was what made it quite, quite exciting. Um, and it isn't just English writers that go out there. They, they have a lot of um, Arab writers and writers from all around the world in the same way that the audience from all around the world. So I did find it pretty inspiring on that front that, that, that you weren't just preaching to the converted, as it were, which often happens at a literary festival. You turn there and, you know, the, the people who already like your books turn up. So as, as a way of sort of spreading the word and, and, and connecting with lots of different people, it's, it's ex- extremely interesting and good, and good fun. And the conference centre where it takes place, most of the events, I mean, the, the, there's lots of schools events and things outside there, but it's very well attended. Lots of people, is always buzzy and exciting, and there's lots of um, school parties there, which for me as a, as a children's writer is... Um, is always very nice, but you know I think it's important for the the kids are also going to the adult events and and just learning about the world of literature. So it w- it was a real eye opener going there. So you're up on stage presenting to an audience, but you get a chance to talk to some of the readers, some of your fans on a one to one basis. Yeah, I mean there's loads of places to hang out there, and I mean I go out and do various schools visits and and talk to the kids that way, but. You know, as as with any festival, that you know, there's there's always the, the questions at the end of events, and that's always the most fun bit. It's the bit where you think about things that you hadn't thought about before. <laughs> 
And just before we get on to the subject of your books, quick question, what do you think of Dubai? Did you have much of a chance to look around? I did. I got one of the festival organisers to organise me a driver one day just to, to take me around all the parts I hadn't seen. It's a fascinating place. It, it felt to me like something out of a science fiction novel, like um, all those great old novels from the 50s and 60s where they would build a colony on a, on a distant planet <laughs> inside a dome and you'd get representatives from each nation on Earth would have their own bit there and, and then you'd have these mad science fiction buildings. And that's really what Dubai felt like to me, particularly as it went up to the top of the... Um, What's it called? The, the tall building? The Burj Khalifa. The Burj Khalifa, yes, of course. And you look down from there and it, and it is amazing because you... A, you're looking down on skyscrapers, which in England would be tallest thing you've ever seen, and they look titchy things below you. But you do get this idea that there's this incredible city there, and then on one side there's a sea, and on the other side it's just desert, as far as you can see, and and it, and it and it's it's stuck there, and it is like being inside one of those domes in a science fiction novel. So it's it is very exciting on that level. And the other thing is, of course, Dubai has monorails, which all science fiction <laughs> cities need to have. <laughs> okay, let's turn to your writing and in particular your series of books, the Enemy series, seven books in total. I counted, and I may be wrong here, but somewhere in the region of 3,000 pages. It's a gargantuan project. Was it always going to be a series of seven books? No, originally it was going to be a trilogy, and I had it kind of mapped out for three books. But as I started work on the second book, I was thinking there's, there's so much more in this world that uh, that I could I'd like to explore and so many other stories I'd like to tell and it sort of expanded and expanded and expanded I mean what happened was it, it sort of expanded like a concertina so the third book became the seventh book and the second book became the sort of third book and and I sort of slotted stuff in in between it didn't carry on past the point uh, that I'd uh, designated as the end and that always was going to be end I knew how that was going to take place and that is the book that my most recent one that came out and it's called The End um, Appropriately Yes and to kind of make sure that I don't write any more <laughs> <laughs> And what did it feel like when you finally wrote the, the last sentence of the last page of the last book? I mean, It's the same feeling I suppose you get whenever you finish a book you always think when you finish a book there'll be a sort of sense of elation and you crack open the champagne but it's always this, it always feels a sort of actually a slight deflation you think oh well I've done that then that's all That's all finished. I need to do something else. Um, and so I suppose if you've been working on something for, for, you know, over seven years, probably from start to finish getting on for about ten years I was working on those books, then I suppose you just get that, that feeling magnified. Of uh, It's a feeling of relief and disappointment. I mean, relief that you finally have finished the thing and got to an end and the story finishes. And also a sense of regret that you're leaving that world behind and all the characters you've created, although I did kill quite a lot of them off. <laughs> um, but there is that feeling of, of saying goodbye to those things. And, and also as a creative person, you know, you put a lot of your energy and your, your thoughts and ideas in, into a book. And when you do create a world that, you, that feels satisfying and characters that feel real to you, it's always difficult to move on because you think, well, I've got to do all that all over again now with a new world and new characters. And, and there's always a feeling of like, you know, <laughs> perhaps I've run out. <laughs> <laughs> we touched briefly on the subject of the Enemy series in my introduction, but for people that haven't had the chance to, to, to read your books yet, do you just want to give us a quick overview of where it's set and, and who are the main characters? Uh, yes, well, it's set in contemporary London, 
well, it was contemporary London when I started, which was now over seven years ago. So uh, that's the problem with trying to write something very modern, as it dates very quickly. But yes, it's set in contemporary London, uh, following an outbreak of a disease that has uh, come from nowhere. Nobody quite knows what's caused it, but it has only affected people over the age of 14. Um, who have either been killed instantly by this disease or they've been so badly infected that they start to behave like textbook cannibal zombies. So the surviving kids are trying to sort of rebuild their world and keep themselves safe whilst trying to avoid being eaten by marauding gangs of diseased adults. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's not really the famous five. <laughs> <laughs> so, where did, so where on earth did that come from in your mind? Well, I'd written a series of young James Bond books, um, which, which I loved doing. And I, and I love genre fiction. And I'd done, I thought, OK, I've done thrillers for, for kids. What's another good genre that kids like? And uh, I thought horror is is a sort of universally loved by kids, boys and girls alike, they do like a bit of gore and gloom and death. (laughs) (laughs) Probably because they're too young to realise the consequences. But um, So I thought, yeah, it'd be really good if I could sort of terrify some kids because then they'd always remember my books. And for me, the most frightening of of, of all the sort of movie monsters or our sort of modern monsters that terrify us is zombies. And, and when I when I started writing the book, zombies were pretty popular. They they have been popular since uh, since the end of the seventies. But I had no idea just how how popular zombies were going to become. They sort of took over the world, and you know they definitely became the most popular monster to dress up as at, at Halloween. And you know kids became really obsessed with zombies, and there were zombie games and films and books and TV series like I mean The Walking Dead, which is extraordinarily became the most popular drama in the USA and you know I thought what a really gory zombie drama but no it did and and so I I managed to sort of surf on the zombie wave a bit but as I say I, I, I wrote about them because I find them very frightening because in the end zombies are people and people are the most frightening things around and I put that together with a sort of fantasy I'd had when I was a kid, which was, wouldn't it be fantastic to if all the adults in the world simply disappeared? And as a kid, you had the world to yourself to do what you want and go where you want and be who you want. So I sort of engineered that by having this disease that wipes the adults out so that the kids can go and live in Buckingham Palace if they want. But they do have to contend with, <laughs> with cannibal adults who are trying to eat them. Um, and also, you know, as a, as a parent... The thing that most has always most scared me is something awful happening to my kids. So, if you're going to write something scary, you've got to write about what scares you. So, the idea of all these kids being in terrible peril, but also having this sort of fantasy world where the world is their own, uh, seemed like a good combination. You tantalisingly mentioned a few minutes ago writing a series of books featuring the young James Bond. Now, that must have been great fun. That was that was fantastic fun. I mean, I'm a lifelong James Bond fan. The, the first film I ever remember going to see in the cinema was Thunderball way back in the early 60s. And Bond has been sort of there as part of my life. So I was approached completely out of the blue by the Ian Fleming estate. They knew that I had boys. They knew that I was a James Bond fan. Uh, I'd written some some adult thrillers, which they'd liked, and they felt my style would work quite well for kids. And I was one of a number of authors they spoke to, and, and I was quite heavily vetted. And um, I got the job, which was which was fantastic. And to be part of the James Bond world for a few years was was a was a great honour. And to 
to sit, actually sit down and write the words, the name's Bond, James Bond, <laughs> gave me a sort of... Uh, I think the hair's child, on the back it, of your it, it did. It was, it was a childish thrill. You know, I'd put on some John Barry music and sit down and, 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 and think, I am actually writing an actual bona fide James Bond novel about the actual guy. He's not like a friend of James Bond or someone who's a bit like James Bond. He is James Bond, albeit as a schoolboy. Is that continuing or has that come to an end? Has he grown up now? <laughs> uh, now, having done um, five of them and taken him up to the point where he leaves Eton, which, if you know the James Bond mythology from, from the Ian Fleming books, that's a sort of big part of his childhood, I'd felt that I needed to work on something that was entirely my own. It was huge fun writing the Bond book, but in the end I was writing a character that I hadn't created. And so I thought, I'll move on now before all anybody ever wants from me is another James Bond book. But, I mean, that's what happened to Fleming. He, he, he always wanted to write other things, and he'd go and see his publishers, and they'd say, yes, of course, Ian, you must, but could you just write just one more Bond? And he, he never managed to, to well, uh, except right at the end where he'd um, had a heart attack, and the doctors had said, you've got to rest, Ian. Whatever you do, don't write any more James Bond books. Just rest. And he said, all right, I won't write another James Bond book. So he wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang instead. <laughs> We've been talking about the, the young James Bond. Let's talk for a minute or two about the young Charlie Higson. Straight out of university, did you always intend to be an author? I'd always loved writing since I was about eight or nine years old. I got, I got hooked on the idea that you could sit down with a pen and a piece of paper, which was the only technology we had in those days. Well, except for a typewriter, but I couldn't afford one of those. And just with a pen and paper, you could make something up that hadn't existed before. You could tell a story that had never been told and create characters. It could make you laugh, make you cry. Uh, you can fall in love with, you can hate them and want to kill them just by making those marks on a piece of paper. And, and I found that like, so it's like a sort of magic, really. All through my teenage years, when I was supposed to be doing my homework, I was writing books. I just copied books that I liked. I went through a phase. I, I was really into fantasy and I wrote these big long fantasy novels and I got into science fiction and I got into crime fiction and started writing crime books. But actually the best piece of advice I ever had was from my father when I was 16. Um, my father was an accountant. We didn't have anyone else in the family who'd done anything in the arts. There were no writers or actors or anything like that. And he sat me down and he said to me, he said, look, um, you must carry on with your writing. You obviously enjoy it. So it's a good thing to do. You can always do that in your spare time in the evenings, but it doesn't cost anything. But what you must make sure you do is get yourself a proper job because you will never make any money as a writer. And the reason this was such fantastic advice was because I was 16, I completely ignored everything my father ever said to me. And I've never managed to have a proper job, but I have been lucky enough to be a writer who's able to make a reasonably good living out of, out of being a writer. Absolutely no regrets on that front. So what's next for Charlie Higson? What's, what's in the pipeline? What can fans of yours expect in the, in the next year or two? Well, I've gone back to my, my, my teenage love of fantasy fiction and I've dug out a book that I had started and written quite a lot of but, but never finished. And I'm rewriting it. There's very little left of the original book, but I always thought it was a good idea and there were interesting characters in it. And it just felt like something unfinished. And as I say, I have always been a huge fan of um, fantasy fiction. You know, going to schools visits, talking to them about the enemy, when I was coming to the end of the series, I would say to them, you know, I've done thrillers, I've done horror, what, what, what genre should I do next? And, and a lot of them said fantasy. Kids do love fantasy worlds, and I, I certainly did when I was a kid. So that's, that's one of the things I'm doing. 
And the other thing I'm doing, which is also on the, the fantasy front, is some people might remember back in the early 80s, there was a series of books called Fighting Fantasy that were created by Ian Livingstone and Steve Jackson. And they're stories where you create your own adventure. It's one of those stories where it says, you know, you're confronted by a goblin. If you want to fight the goblin, go to page 50. If you want to run away, go to page 70. All right. And these books were phenomenal success in the, in the early 80s. Puffin published them, and they sold over 20 million copies. And they, and they carried on for about 10 years, and then someone invented the home computer and computer games, and it pretty much killed them off overnight, although... The style of the books and the style of the stories and the adventures and the way you build your own character and, and, and the whole system, it, it was completely adopted by a lot of um, computer games and became the sort of standard for a certain type of game. But they're being relaunched now by Scholastic. They're relaunching some of the classic old books and write, writing some new ones. And uh, I, I got to know Ian Livingstone, one of the creators, and he said, would I like to write one? And I thought, well, it's a great honour to be asked. So I will, because what's happened now is that all those kids who loved them when they were at school, now have kids of, their, of that age themselves, and they're sort of getting their boxes out of the attic, saying, oh, have a go at this, I loved this when I was a boy. So that's the hope, is that a new generation of kids will come along and, and get on board. My book's called The Gates of Death. Oh, nice cheery title. Yes. <laughs> well, that's what kids love. <laughs> Indeed. Charlie, it's been great fun talking to you. I really, every time we meet, it's, it's enormously interesting to talk to you and see what you're up to. Thank you so much for joining us today on this Emirates World Programme, and um, I hope to see you at the uh, Emirates Airline Festival of Literature in March. Yes, yes. It, uh, you know, it's going to be a blast.